Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 035, Armor of Light. Hey, I'm thankful that you've joined me once again on the Faith for My Generation podcast, or maybe this is your first time watching or listening. I'm really appreciative that you are taking the time to join me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on the podcast channel. And of course, I'm your host, AJ. Um, Let's go to Romans chapter 13 for our wake-up call today, Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read a couple verses as our main text for this wake-up call. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. As you can see, I take from verse 12, the title for today's wake-up call, Armor of Light. Um, we are living right now in the last moments of this age, this dispensation, this time, this administration of grace. Maybe that's new to you, hearing that kind of statement. So what do I mean by that? I mean, very simply, as the Bible tells us, Christ has come. He did live and walk on this earth. He did what He was commanded and on a mission to do, which was to give himself for the sins of the world at the cross. He died, he was buried, and three days later he was resurrected. And about 40 days he walked the earth as a resurrected king of kings and glorified king of kings. And uh, even did many signs and wonders there afterwards. It's interesting, there's actually an older minister and author from the 1800s, A.B. Simpson of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He has a book written, Christ of the 40 Days. And he talks about that ministry after the resurrection. And there was a ministry time there. And then Christ ascended. And if you read 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the end of the Gospels, when Christ ascends, there's angels there, and they, they're kind of like, hey guys... Because there were, First oh, Corinthians fifteen tells us there were roughly five hundred people that watched Christ ascend into the sky, and then they're like all staring up in the sky, and then these angels are like, uh, "Guys, uh, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh wow, we're, we just watched Jesus go to heaven, ascend, ascending through the sky." And they said, "Okay, that's great. How about we get about the business of the kingdom, which is the Great Commission." winning people to Christ and making disciples, teaching the Word of God, instructing people of what God has commanded and doing it and build the kingdom. But we also know this, Christ is returning. He will come back. He is coming back. No man knows the hour nor day when he will come back. 
In fact, it's called, theologically, the term is the imminent return of Christ. We don't know when that will take place, but we do know that it will happen. Some people even mock us for believing that. Well, y'all, Christians have been saying that Jesus was going to come back for the past 200 years. Yeah, we have been, and we will continue to tell people, Christ is coming back, and you need to be ready, because we do not know the day or the hour. No one but the Father knows. And when Christ comes, He will come. He will rapture His church. That's called the parousia. He will snatch away those that are found in faith, bring them up to where He is, which is the clouds, the heavens. He'll take the church into heaven. And at that point, seven years of tribulation start, start, take place on the earth. Many woes, terrible things take place. The man of lawlessness, Antichrist, is revealed. Much of the world nations combine their efforts to come together. They want to destroy Israel because that's Antichrist's agenda. Three and a half years into this, it gets even worse and becomes a greater tribulation. Uh, there's the wrath of God's poured out on the earth. A third of the sea is turned into blood. Animals die. <laughs> Plant life dies. This what a star falls named Wormwood. I, I remember that, Wormwood, because it's in a Superman comic book. All these uh, unimaginable things take place. These locust men, half locust, half horse men, go around stinging and vexing people. It's terrible. Um, I mean, it's like a, a sci-fi movie on steroids. Read it. It's in your Bible. It's called Book of Revelation. And then at the end of that time, there's the second coming of Christ. And he will come with the church, you and I, and set up his kingdom on the earth rule and reign for a thousand years. Satan will be loosed one more time at the end of that thousand-year period. And even then, after people have lived under the righteous rule of Christ for a thousand years, Satan will still try, he will still deceive many and say, hey, you know how we, uh, you know, I tried to attack Jerusalem and I used the Antichrist. Now I'm going to lead it myself. And this time it'll really work. What is it? Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. <laughs> and of course, Satan, though he leads as many, as the Bible says, as many as the sand on the seashore against Christ, against Jerusalem, the fire of God will destroy them. And at that point, the tempter, the deceiver is destroyed, done away with, and we enter into the new heavens and new earth. Wow, I did not plan on doing that, but we basically went through the entire book of Revelation very, very briefly and about two minutes. <laughs> the point is this, you need to be ready. You need to stay ready spiritually. Romans 13, 11, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Somebody, somebody touch and someone tap their neighbor on the shoulder and say, wake up. If I were sitting in church that, or teaching in church, that's what I would say. Uh, you're probably not sitting by your neighbor. If you're driving, you know, don't reach out the win car window to tap your neighbor in the other car. Maybe just tap your shoulder and say, hey, wake up. You know, there's several Old Testament prophets that prophesied that, and the New Testament borrows it. In the book of Ephesians, uh, we see it. First uh, Corinthians, we see it. First Thessalonians, and here in Romans, this idea of wake up. You, you need to be vigilant. You need to be wide-eyed. 
you need to be aware of what's going on. Mark 13, 37, Jesus puts it very plainly. Let me read it for you. Mark 13, 37. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. That word watch is a Bible word, the way we're using it. It's not just like, you know, hey, can you watch the kids as, when I run out to the grocery store and back as, you know, can you, my wife asked me, can you watch Naomi as I run out into town and come right back? Sure, honey. You know, and it's like, I'm kind of checking on her out of the corner of my eye and I'm probably like doing something, reading something. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Naomi, why did you just throw, you know, I don't know, yogurt over the entire couch? How'd that happen? And then Laura comes back and like, I left you for 27 minutes and there's a pint of yogurt in the entire uh, covering the entire living room. How did that happen? I don't know. I was watching her. <laughs> uh, apparently not very well. <laughs> the Bible word watch means to have your spiritual eyes open. Ephesians 1, the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us we are to pray for one another, the church, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened or opened up so that we can know the Hope of the calling of God that's in us, the riches of the glory of His inheritance that's deposited in us, that's the Holy Spirit, and the exceeding greatness of His power that works towards us who believe. There's other reasons why we have to have our spirit, the eyes of our spirit, the eyes of our heart wide open as well. It's because we're living in the last moments of time. We're living at a time where there is an increase of lawlessness the Antichrist is known as the man of lawlessness. In 1 John 4, in fact, I didn't have it written down, but let's read it. This will help make sense of what I'm getting to. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into this world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Not the man himself, but the spirit that will empower the man. Which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist. The man, the Antichrist... The man of lawlessness, 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us, has not yet been revealed. And he will not be revealed until the church is raptured. The Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled, faith-filled body of Christ on the earth is the hinderer. It is the element, the agent that is stopping the revealing of the Antichrist. How do I know that? Because... The Bible shows us that there are three hinderers, government, the Holy Spirit, and the church. Well, we know in the book of Revelation there are governments because they make treaties with one another. We know there's the, whole, the Holy Spirit still ministering during the time of tribulation because people are martyred for the gospel, which means they die because they refuse to recant their faith in Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that only leaves the church. And the church has been raptured. Now, why do I make that point? Because you and I, we carry the presence, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit 
He indwells in us. And we go forth, 2 Corinthians 5.20, as ambassadors, standing on the behalf. You know what? Some people won't think that's actually in the Bible, so let me just read it. Because it's such strong language. We stand on the behalf of God in the earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When we do the work of the Lord, we are standing on the behalf of God, doing the work of God, empowered by Christ. We're standing in His place, and it's as if Himself were here doing it. But instead of Him doing it, He has commissioned the Great Commission, Matthew 28, us to do it. And so the time we live now is the last moments of time. So knowing that, knowing that verse 11 of Romans 13, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Well, what does that mean? Well, simple. You know, I'm closer to 40 than I was 10 years ago. I'm 32 now. So I'm eight years away from 40. But 10 years ago, I'd have been 18 years <laughs> from 40. And so on and so forth, whatever your age is. You're closer to being older than you are younger now. It's very simple. And we're closer to the fulfillment, the fruition, the totality of our salvation than when we first believed because each day takes us closer to the end of this time. Whether it be the end of our natural life, if the Lord tarries, if Christ doesn't come back during our life, we're still getting closer to the fulfillment of our salvation, which is entering in and it being completely sealed and done with when we enter into eternity. So with that in our mind, because verse 11, it says, do this. Romans 13, 11 says, do this. Because we're living in the last days, do this. Verse 12, the night's far spent, the day is at hand. So what are we to do? Cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, here's the question. I'm extremely practical. That sounds really cool. Cast off darkness, put on the armor of light. It sounds good. Obviously, it's the Bible. But my question would be, okay, how do I do that? How do I cast off darkness and put on the armor of light? Like, what does that actually look like in my life? Verse 13 and 14 gives us an action plan. Okay, what does it mean to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light? We're to walk decently or properly. Walk here in the Bible is much like the word watch. When it says let us walk properly or decently, we're not talking about like walking, you know, taking a walk in the early morning to get your steps in down the road and back. We're talking about the course of your life. Let us walk properly. We're talking about the course of our life, what we do, our conduct. When the Bible talks about a walk, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. It's not literally, though it could be your steps, because maybe the Lord's guiding you out of danger or to a blessing. But generally speaking, the steps of a righteous man are the way that he lives, the steps of a righteous woman, the way that she lives. And for us to walk properly means for us to live decently. As in the day. I'm thinking about John chapter 3. In fact, I'll read it. 
John chapter 3 tells us what? What about light and darkness does John chapter 3? Well, of course, verse 16 is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Go down to verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, and that his deeds may be clearly seen that they may have been done in God. We're to walk properly as in the day. What you and I do as Christians, we're not afraid if someone sees us doing them. And if you're doing something that you don't want to be seen doing, you need to ask yourself, what business do you have doing that? Amen. <laughs> uh, Pastor Lester Sumrall, who's in heaven now, he said this, and it was a very, very good statement, and I, I remind myself of it a lot. He said, you should do nothing behind closed doors or by yourself when no one's watching. You still should do nothing that you would not allow someone to record and throw up on a movie screen for the whole world to see. If you're not comfortable in what you're, how you're conducting yourself, that other people would see it. If, if the thought crosses your mind, well, if someone knows me and sees me doing this, uh-oh, then you shouldn't do it at all. And we're to walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, or envy. Verse 13 basically lists out some of Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 20 and 21. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, of course, verse 22 shows us the fruit of the Spirit. But if you go at verse 19, it says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, being divided, but on purpose, like, you know, being at odds with people, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, which is salvation. If you find yourself doing these things and you die, a physical death in the act of doing these things or having a lifestyle of doing these things and have not repented, you will not go to heaven. That's strong, but it's the truth. And I love you too much to not tell you the truth. Depart from these things. And instead of doing these things, verse 22, allow the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You'll never wake up tomorrow and there'll be a, a law. No more joy. No one is allowed to be gentle. No one will be kind on the job. No, of course not. Verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified, put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So there is a way that we live 
there is a positive and negative way that we live. How do you put on the armor of light? Well, first, you forsake and put off, cast off, the works of darkness. Well, it's easy to think about armor, like literal armor that you have to put on yourself. But imagine if the works of darkness was a heavy cloak. You got to jerk that cloak off first so you can put the armor on. And so there's a positive and negative. Do put on the armor of God and don't put on the works of darkness. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the lust to fulfill its flesh. So how do you put on the armor of God? First, you cast off the works of darkness. Then you put on Christ. Now you might say, how in the world do I put on Christ? Find a stake, mighty man of God, put together the Day Canitator Reference Bible along with many other books, several other books, one being God's Plan for Man, probably just the, one of the greatest doctrinal works there is on God's plan of redemption. He wrote this as a note in his, in his study Bible for this verse. He said this, To be clothed with a person is a Greek phrase signifying to take upon one the interest of another, to enter into his views and be wholly on his side, imitating him in all things. To be clothed with a person is a Greek phrase signifying to take upon one the interest of another, to enter into his views, and be holy, H, excuse me, W-H-O-L-L-Y, on his side, imitating him in all things. So there is a, I'm submitting myself to his interests. I'm seeing things the way he sees. I've given myself wholly to his mission, and I act like he acts. Again, there's a positive and negative. If you will act like Christ, by default, you're going to make no room for the flesh. You will not make a place to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you put on Christ, by default, you will put off the works of the flesh. When you crucify the flesh, you by default are glorifying God. When I'm glorifying God, I'm by default crucifying the flesh. Now, what does it mean to crucify the flesh? Some people think, well, that means I can't have any fun. I can't do anything I want. There is nothing that you see that is a work of the flesh that will bring you joy, peace, happiness, or fulfillment in life. And everything that is a work of the flesh, what it is, is it's things that can be done in the life of the believer, but taken out of their proper context. You know, I'm not going to be crude by any means, but let's just make it real plain. For instance, sexual fulfillment. You can be totally, completely sexually fulfilled and a Christian, but you have to do it God's way. And what is God's way? One man, one woman, bound together in marriage. If you try to fulfill those God-given, God-created, God-ordained desires outside of God's plan, it will bring you destruction. You'll give part of yourself away that you should never have given away to someone. You'll have emotional heartache. 
You can even have physical disease, brokenness, mistiming of things, the order of life, and then what should be a blessing ends up being a weight. There's nothing that you want that God won't give you if you'll simply submit to His ways. And so don't ever allow Satan to use that as an idea. Well, you know, what AJ's talking about means you're never going to have any fun. There's nothing fun about destroying yourself spiritually, soulishly, or physically. And so as we put on the armor of light, we are putting on the things of God. We're being watchful because we know as 1 Peter 5, 8, and I'll finish here. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober. I think I've went to this to a couple wake-up calls, actually. Be sober, which means self-control. What is self-control other than crucifying the flesh? There's many things. Self-control looks like it can look. There's many things that self-control can look like. Many things. It's not just, you know, I'm going to count my calories and make sure I go get my steps in. That's great. That's good self-control, too. I could use a little bit more of that concerning chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Usually I don't buy them in bulk because if they're in the house, I keep finding a reason to go to the kitchen. I need some self-control there. But there's many things. What is self-control? This is when I read my Bible. You know, you have a set time at the day. I'm going to read my Bible. No, I don't care what anything else is going on. I'm going to go read my Bible. This is when I pray. This is when I go to church. You know, you can see so many examples of it. Be sober. Have self-control. Be vigilant. Watchful. Keep your eyes open. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Verse 9. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the whole world. Put on the armor of light. Don't fall for Satan's deception. Put off the works of darkness and put on Christ. And I know that's your desire because that's why you're listening in right now. Hey, I'm thankful that you've listened today. If you've not left a five-star review on the podcast channel, do that for me. That helps me move up in the rankings so that, more importantly, more people can see the messages and the episodes that I'm putting out. Hey, make sure you stay tuned. We've got a lot of really fun announcements coming up in the next several weeks. So make sure that you're listening and that you're following. I'm thankful every time that you share on Facebook, that you share. If, you, if you're sharing on Instagram, tag me in the story. Uh, if you're, you want to follow me on TikTok, it's the same handle as Instagram, the AJ Bible, all lowercase. Um, we have a good time over there as well. And uh, we've got some exciting things coming up in the remainder of this year. I'm really, really excited. So I'm thankful that you're part of this family. And remember, we are the faithful. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.